This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. When Canada went into COVID lockdown in March of 2020, the weekly newspaper version of the Canadian Jewish News also stopped publishing shortly afterwards. Advertising had dried up, community events had all been cancelled, so the CJN's offices were shuttered, staff was laid off, including editor-in-chief Yoni Goldstein. But within weeks, Goldstein went for a walk, and he realized he couldn't let the award-winning six-decades-old institution simply disappear. The CJN would have to pivot and modernize, plus find new and different ways of connecting with loyal readers while reaching new audiences through social media, email newsletters, and podcasts. It's coming up on three years since those dark times, and Yoni Goldstein will be here to reflect on why reviving the paper was personal, how far it's come, and he'll announce some exciting developments for 2023 And that's where you come in. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, December the 26th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. From this show to our other podcasts like Yechupetzville and Bonjour Chai and The Menschwarmers and Rivkush, to our glossy quarterly magazine, to the Friday print-at-home newspaper, to our YouTube videos, the lively email newsletters, the CJN Circle of Subscribers, and our up-to-the-minute website with breaking news and features, our columnists about books and politics and Jewish life, and our staff of writers, including in Winnipeg and Montreal. (gasps) There's a lot going on at the new CJN. And so joining me now from Toronto to tell us the inside story of how we got here and what to expect is Editor-in-Chief and CEO Yoni Goldstein. All right, so I guess we should just do a little history and talk a bit about how, what was the, the thought process and how did the CJN close and what was the reason you guys decided that it was important to bring it back? Yeah, the CJN closed quite dramatically, uh, I guess, just kind of, it happened extremely quickly and at a time, like you said, at the beginning of COVID when... The world was in complete disarray and nobody really knew what was going to happen from one day to the next. And I think, you know, when the CJN closed and everybody, all the people who worked there were let go, myself included, and I was the editor-in-chief at the time then of the newspaper, uh, it took me about a week before I could sort of get my head around what happened. And then as soon as that, as soon as I was able to get my head around that, I remember taking a walk one evening and just thinking to my, you know, the streets were extremely quiet and I was able to sort of think to myself, what was, what did I want to do next? And I realized, you know, pretty quickly that I wanted to save the CJN, that I just couldn't sit there and let it die um, like that. And so I kind of resolved that it would be my mission to to fix it. And the reason I, I the reason why was because I, I just felt it was really important for the Canadian Jewish community um, I'd heard a lot over the years working there about how much it meant to a lot of people, and I believed it meant a lot of it meant a lot to a lot of people too, and to the community as a vehicle for celebrating our you know our greatest victories, for 
you know, lamenting some of our defeats for uh, getting together over holidays and feeling uh, and feeling the togetherness and for um, cheering on Israel and cheering on each other. I just felt like we really needed that, that, that Canada needed the CJN. And if that meant that I, you know, if that meant that I had to do it to get it back together, then that was what I was going to do. And so when the CJN came back, on, on, it was mostly a decision to pivot from a print weekly to more digital presence. Talk about that evolution, if you would, and how, how that happened. Well, the flip side of what I was saying a minute ago about all of us, um, about the office being closed, about people losing their jobs, was that um, when it came time to put a new CJN back together, there was less there to sort of have to think about from a legacy perspective. Um, you know, the paper had already not been being delivered every week. So to, uh, to say we're going to start again and continue that process wasn't as difficult. Now, you know, people say to me all the time, so I miss the weekly newspaper. And my answer to them is I miss it, too. I miss oh, it, I too. I, and everything in my house, when it arrived, stopped. I read it from cover to cover every Wednesday. And I'm sure that that happened in generations of homes across the country. For sure. I miss it, too. I miss the colleagues who made it happen every week. And I missed, you know, and I missed the, knowing that we could put something out physical that, the, that people in the community can hold. That's one of the reasons why I thought still having a magazine as we move forward is important because I do believe in print. And while the you know print media industry probably will never be what it was um, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, I still think that there's a way that uh, it'll come back in its own way. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe a quarterly magazine is good for now. And maybe we can do six, uh, a year in a couple of years, and maybe we can do 12 a year in a couple of years. Uh, I think that that aspect is important to continue. Uh, but the reality is that the economics of running a daily newspaper are incredibly challenging. And most of the sort of the network and scaffolding that put that together was effectively, destroyed when the newspaper closed. Uh, so never say never. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but right now, I don't think it's in, the, it's in the cards to have a weekly newspaper. I mean, if we had 100,000 subscribers, then that would be something else. We could afford to do it. Maybe, but it's not, it's not as simple as that because the, the economics of having subscribers and the, the economics of printing and delivering uh, a physical a physical product have changed even dramatically again in the last year. I mean, the, the cost of, do, of doing those businesses now is significantly higher. So I don't know that we're getting closer necessarily to that. It, it really ultimately becomes a financial question. And, and um, uh, I, don't, I didn't want to let one part of the CJN's history sink what could be its future. And we know that most people... Many people, I wouldn't say most, but the majority of people get their news on their phones or on their computers. They, they've also pivoted during the pandemic. Uh, and that's part of some of the reasons why podcasting became such a big part. And I have to, you know, self-interest here, full disclosure, I'm part of that too. Grateful to have that role. But I'd love to talk with you about what role the podcast of the CJN became to become sort of the public space of discussion when everyone was locked down. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, when we started podcasting, so that's probably somewhere around 
April, February, April of 2021, when we came out with uh, the podcast network. And soon after that, your podcast started. Um, I figured I'd probably spend a year trying to explain to people how to listen to a podcast. And that would be our first year of podcasting. But like you said, the reality is that um, the pandemic changed things. People who might have been afraid of technology before were all of a sudden on Zoom calls all the time because that was the only way that they could connect with people. And um, sort of that barrier to technology was down. People realized that, the, you know, that if they couldn't be physically with their family or their loved ones, they could at least see them and they could at least hear them. And I think it's sort of been the same with our podcasting. Um, it's taken the place in some cases of our news coverage, but not entirely. I think we still, you know, you can still go to our website on any given day and see new news articles from our team. Uh, but podcasting has allowed us to connect in different ways and in different and in sort of, uh, you know, different opportunities for different demographics. You know, you can listen to a podcast with Ellen Bessner in 10 to 12 minutes, like I do pretty much every day. Uh, if you're looking for something longer, you get that at the end of the week with Bonjour Chai. If you're a sports buff, you've got the Mensch Warmers. If you're in comedy, we've got that for you. Uh, if you're interested in, if you are, or you're interested in Jews of color, we've got podcasts for that too. I think the idea really was... Don't forget, Yechupitzville has a huge audience. And Yechupitzville, exactly. Thanks for reminding me. Um, for all those who don't live in, uh, who live outside of the Toronto and Montreal um, bubble and those within the bubble who wish to be able to see outside of it from time to time. Doing podcasting has given us a whole bunch of new entry points to those kind of connections with Canadian Jews. Um, you know, like a couple of years ago, your connection to the CJN was the newspaper and it was what was in the newspaper. And what made it into the newspaper was mostly the news. Uh, and there would be some arts and culture and some opinion and some other things to some religious content as well. Uh, but now I think you're getting to meet personalities more. And I think that comes through just by hearing people's voices more as well. I mean, you can read a news article and get all the information, but when you hear somebody's voice talking about their own story with their own passion, um, I think it gives a different, it gives a different effect. Uh, before we move on to our next our next point, which is what what's the newest stuff that we, we have to announce to the community, I, I do want to just add one thing about the podcasting, because this is kind of how I always felt about it during the pandemic. And yes, the pandemic is not over, but as synagogues and things start to open up, I remember how podcasts became for many people their lifeline to find out what was going on in Jewish communities because they couldn't physically go to a sisterhood meeting or a uh, parlor meeting. And so everybody started to hope that the CJN would fill that role as the, the new place for people to talk and share ideas. And that did happen with our listeners. We have uh, tens of thousands of listeners, different shows. We have a, almost a half a million downloads since we launched. And that is so humbling, but it's also a conversation. We're having more of a one-to-one conversation with Jewish people as opposed to a mass, here's the paper, write us a letter. Yeah, and, uh, and, and here's the paper and good luck, you know, hopefully there's something in there that'll, that'll entertain you. I think on a weekly basis now, you'll find so many different entry points into Judaism from the CJN, from the most serious to the most unserious. 
And frankly, I don't really care, you know, which one like, uh, you know, you know, gets you gets you going, whatever it is, uh, whatever that spark is that uh, if we can provide it and we can sort of get people to join together within this large hub, even if they're not, you know, all necessarily doing the same thing or thinking the same thing or approaching Judaism the same thing. And we know Jews well enough to know that they're not. Um, then we've done our job and we're, we're really, we are, we are, we are back to becoming an essential part of the Jewish community in Canada. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it in so many ways. And I'd love if we could sort of make some announcements or explain to people all the exciting developments that have happened in the last few months with both the financial way that the, that the CJN is operating and the various products that will be seen going forward on the website. Sure. Um, I think the biggest story is that, and this was announced only about two weeks ago by email, is that uh, we're now set up as a as a charitable uh, organization. I'm using those words carefully because um, the way it works is not like a typical charity, but we've become, we've joined this program uh, that the federal government set up several years ago, whereby registered journalism organizations can accept fundraising. So for the first time in the CJN's history, it's over 60 years, we're able to go to the community and say, um, you can be part of what we're doing, you can help shape our future, and, um, and give them a tax receipt for the, uh, you know, for, the, for the honor of helping us. I think in 2023, that's gonna be uh, something new people are gonna be seeing a lot. We've sort of slowly launched it. We've had some very positive responses over the first couple of weeks, and I expect that to continue into the new year as well. We ran this business as a startup for two years. Very few people got paid what they're worth. Certainly the person uh, that I'm talking to right now didn't. Uh, Yeah, I'm editing uh, that out. (laughs) Okay, fine, whatever. But, you know, the people who have worked on this project, and and it's a small group. This is not like, this was not like, you know, 50 or 100 people in the community coming together. This was like maybe 10 people, 10 normal, regular people in the Jewish community uh, deciding that something meant something enough to them to lay it on the line. And uh, we did that for two years. We were very careful with any money we got. We didn't ask anybody for any money. We wanted to be able to show what we could do from the ground up. You know, and I think we've been successful in that. It's been a bumpy road at times. And, you know, I was talking to somebody recently who was saying to me that when they started, a, you know, when they started a new business or a, a new company, those were some of the loneliest times in their lives. And, you know, and personally, I, I definitely feel that over the last couple of years. I feel like there's been a big weight on my shoulders personally because I made this decision to do the CJN. And uh, if anything negative happened, it's, you know, it's on me. But I think we've survived that sort of initial phase. And now with the fundraising side, beginning to be intact, I think we can really thrive and expand. You know, we're not the kind of charity that's going to be asking for, you know, tens and twenties and thirties of millions of dollars a year. We don't need that much money to do what we're doing. We need some, uh, and we need community buy-in for that. But uh, we are committed to keep on doing this and to, you know, to have the CJN on a sustainable path going forward. Uh, and I hope that 2023 will get us closer to that. I think 2021 and 2022 showed us how we could effectively run a small startup media company at 
almost a break-even point, and we did that. So now on to bigger and better things, I hope, in 2023. I think you'll see also uh, more improvements to our physical magazine. If you've got your copy this week, then um, you're probably already noticing the differences, and those are ongoing. We'll continue throughout 2023. Uh, We're going to have a whole bunch of new video products, hopefully, in 2023, like Um, short early parts of the day videos to tell you what's going on Uh, events our first major event was unfortunately snowed out last week but we're looking to do those continuing to do those in 2023 specifically four times a year at least around the times when we launch our magazines yeah we should say to our listeners we had about 75 to 80 people RSVP to the Hanukkah party slash magazine launch uh, which was supposed to be held in Toronto on uh, December the it was supposed to be held on December 15th but unfortunately because the police were telling people to stay off the roads uh, we had to cancel so there were a lot of donuts donated to a charity where they're not <laughs> Yes, at least we found a home for the donuts. The the donuts didn't have to freeze themselves. And so what are you most excited about for the CJN for 2023 and looking to the future? You know, and just in general, getting out of the stage where like, you know, in the first year of the CJN, there were so many things like if if, that if one of them would have gone wrong, you know, even a small thing, who knows whether we'd be sitting here talking today. So there were very few of those this year. I think it, this, our second year was more about sort of solidifying what we do, bringing in a couple of new people, uh, you know, figuring out what works and what doesn't. And I'm looking, I'm personally looking forward to more of that and less of the thing like, oh God, can we actually do this? Because now we know we can do it. Uh, and we know we can be creative and we can have fun and we can make a real impact in the Jewish community. And uh, I hope we can savor that because that's that's really what the CJN um, that's what the CJN is supposed to be about. And also, the cool thing is that people would like speakers or synagogue groups or any groups that would like to have the CJN personalities and uh, and and editorial staff come out and talk to them about current events or the CJN's philosophy or, or really anything, uh, that's something that we would love to do. And I'm, I know you've been doing some of that over Zoom and also in a little bit in person as we open up. But if anyone wants to get Yoni to come speak or any of us, just drop us a line at ebesner at the cjn.ca and we'll, we'll see what we can do. If you, you know, if you want to know, like, the most rewarding part of starting the CJN again uh, two years down the road is sort of the new group of leadership that we've created. And that includes you, includes Rabbi Avi Feingold and all of our podcast hosts and our writers. So many of them are people who were not CJ, not working at the CJN before. And so many of them were in sort of different areas of the Jewish community before, or not even really all that connected. And now we've built up, um, we've built up a group of people who when you hear their voice in the Jewish community, you know it's somebody you can trust. You know it's somebody who's going to be interesting. You can play. You can put a face to a name and a voice to a face. And you know, I think that's more important now than ever um, to build a sort of a new generation of trusted journalists in Canada. Because you know, that's that's if you ask me, that's kind of like our the major downfall in society over the last few years has been this loss of trust. Um, in our institutions, in our leaders, 
in the person who lives next door and ultimately even in ourselves. You know, we're so inundated with things that half the time we don't even know what we think and uh, we can't even trust ourselves. But if we can uh, help, um, you know, if we can help that by having some people who you get to know and who seem to kind of be like you and understand you and share similar interests, that's a major, that's a major step forward. And I think we've, we're creating that leadership team that can be here for years to come and that will also understand when it's time to build the next leadership group. I mean, having a fresh set of eyes on anything is always an important, uh, it's always a benefit because you see things that have been done certain way for such a long time and you say, well, but what about this? And so I think that, okay, people, it's, people are going to say that COVID was horrible. People lost jobs. Thousands of people died. Of course, we mourn with them. But it was also a silver lining to say, all right, let's start from scratch and see what we can do that works for a new generation, a modern generation, without alienating the old generation, who still would love to read a paper and, and hold the CJN in their hands. So uh, we're trying to do both and move forward. And I think that uh, just as a personal note, this has nothing to do with, you know, your plans, but I'm so thrilled to be able to have been part of it in my retirement. <laughs> this has been busier than I ever thought I would be, and I, I can tell you how grateful it's been. I guess uh, just for an ending, if, if we can, we were going to do this live at the Hanukkah event, but we'll do it here on the podcast. Some of the more high-profile stories that the CJN and its team have covered this past year, off the top of your head... Uh, what are the stories that moved the needle or uh, had results for the Jewish community this past year at the CJM? Well, I mean, I think your series on ben- on Benjamin's uh, funeral home was uh, was very significant. Um, it was probably our largest expose of a Jewish organization this year. Um, those stories are always really tough and, and, uh, you know, and you can, you, you be the first to say that they take a lot of work and a very long time and you want to make sure you've got all of your information right before you do anything because the stakes are very high. And, you know, I think there's always like a balancing act you're thinking about when you're, when you're doing a story about that is like this, especially if you're a dedicated Jewish community person, there's always that part that is, there's always that, you know, little voice in the back of your head. It's just like, is this good for the Jews for us to tell this story? I think you have to say yes. Like, I, I think that that's the way I go about it. It's not necessarily a 100% yes and a 0% no. There are, like I said, there are repercussions. But, you know, this was a story that had to be told. This was a very real story about, you know, very real people uh, being placed in positions that made them very uncomfortable. So, you know, to be able to tell that story, what it, it showed that it showed uh, what we can do. I don't think, you know, I, I hope that there aren't um, other Jewish organizations out there in Canada who saw it as like a warning shot, like we're coming for you. The CJN is coming for you. That's never been my ethos. Uh, personally, and I don't think it really is of you or any of the other people that we work with. Uh, we're out there to educate and inform and hopefully at times entertain the Jewish community. And this is part of that, you know, um, this, this was from what I would, I would say it was an education story for the Jewish community, finding out how something that a lot of us take for granted works and learning that some of the things that we took for granted were, you know, to our own detriment over the years.
I mean, that's also, you could say this about kosher meat prices in Montreal, why they are the way they are. That was on our colleague Bonjour Chai's podcast. That was a rollicking interview, basically asking, well, but why? And not getting answers. You know, and that for sure. And then, you know, and then we come to stories where that sort of touch on some of the social and cultural trends of the day where people say, why are you even, why are you even telling this story? This story shouldn't be told. Uh, some people would say that about Benjamins, a whole different group of people would say that about your interview with BJ Dichter. Uh, that was only, I don't know, what, like a month ago, maybe? Right. He was the uh, Jewish spokesman for the Freedom Convoy. I got more hate mail than that, but I also got hate mail <laughs> uh, and also supportive mail too, um, about, uh, uh, podcasts talking about what's happening with the government in Israel coming up and the changes. And we were accused of, of being too left and being too progressive. And, and we were accused of only telling one side when in fact I had a balanced, a balanced panel. So you can't please anyone, especially if you have 10 Jews, you'll have a hundred opinions, but at least they're listening. At least they're talking. And that's the most important thing. I agree. And, and, and look, there are plenty of Jewish people in Canada who are doing really interesting things. It happens to be that the vast, vast majority of them are doing are, are you know, are engaged in activities or charities or work that we would probably all find extremely laudable. There are people in the Jewish community who are known for less good things or for more controversial things. Uh, should we say, well, they're too controversial for us to touch? No. Look, on that point, if we don't talk to each other in the Jewish community, how are we going to fight anti-Semitism? How are we going to fight anti-Israel? How are we going to fight Jew hatred? Uh, you know, if you start fighting among yourselves, that's going to make it even harder. And so I think the, the CJN's role is to let everybody have a voice you don't always agree with everyone, but then you have to have a common purpose, which is there's only about 390,000 Jews in Canada. So uh, we have a lot of work to cover every single one of you for the next 10 years. There'll be enough stories for everything, right? We'll, we won't run out of stories to do, but it's, it's to bring the community together and, uh, and have room for everyone. And so this is a really important job. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. And... Um... I don't think I change anything about what's happened in the last two years. It's been a wild ride. It's been a difficult ride at times. Um, but personally, I think I learned a lot. I mean, I know I learned a lot because I didn't know how to run half of this business when I started it. And I think, you know, the ability to keep learning and to keep building, I think that's, that's, that's sort of like the, the, the happy place for me. And so, Yoni, as we end off, if people want to become donors to the CJN, how does that work? How do they go about it? Well, first of all, if you want to become a donor for the CJN, thank you very much in, in advance. Uh, there are several ways to do it. Um, you, we can, we're very happy to call you and uh, do it over the phone with you. Uh, we're very happy to accept checks at our office, which has been my home since the CJN closed. And within, uh, you'll be able to go on our website as well and to donate to us through Canada Helps, through their very simple system. And in all those cases, like I said, you'll get a tax receipt. So basically we're open for fundraising business in just about every possible format there is right now. From small donations to large. Exactly, any, any, anything helps. We'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll have various tiers, um, uh, but, uh, but of course any, anything helps. And, and, I, and you know, in the first early weeks of 
accepting donations, we've sort of seen the gamut from small donations to really big ones. And I can tell you, having never been a fundraiser before in my life until this month, that the dollar amount um, that somebody uh, gives you is far less important than the fact that they've gotten in contact with you and said, hey, I read what you wrote and I want to help you. That, that's, that's, the, that's kind of like, the, that's the big thing. The number that's next to that, we'll figure that out. But the wanting to help is like, now I feel like a kin, now I've got kindred spirits. I, you know, that, that was the idea when the CJN closed. I personally wanted to help. So to hear from other people saying, writing back to me or calling me and saying, I want to help you now, that's, uh, that's incredibly gratifying. It's been great to have you. And uh, I want to wish you a successful 2023 and a little bit of a rest for the next week or two because you deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. Same to you, Ellen. Happy New Year and uh, all the best of luck in 2023. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. This is episode 319 of the CJN Daily since we launched in May of 2021. I am deeply grateful to all of you for welcoming me into your headphones or your smartphones four times a week. And I'm thankful to all of the newsmakers who've agreed to come on our show and share their stories from Ron Sillag, the co-host of Honorable Mention, to politics, to the rabbi who acted in Drake's last music video, to why kosher for Passover Coca-Cola has a loyal following and serious stories too, like the Freedom Convoy, the new Israeli government, and anti-Semitism, and Ira and Leith Marouf. On behalf of myself and our producer, Zach Kaufman, and executive producer, Michael Freeman, and all of us here at the CJN, thanks for listening. As always, we'd love to hear from you. I'm at ebessner at thecjn.ca. We'll be back in January with more great podcasts. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.